You've upped your show note game. Uh, there's, there's, well, I mean, when you have this many topics in a week, it kind of, like, I don't know. I didn't know what else to do. I felt I felt like I had to, I had to streamline the information for you. You didn't, the, the napkin sent through the mail was not uh, working anymore? Well, it's, you, you know, it's, it's the Canadian Postal Service, and so the, the reliability is not there. So, I don't know. I, I think they're pretty reliable. It's just, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, the, the weather system, you know, the napkin and envelope were wet sometimes. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But Hello and welcome sure to the Men Podcast. <laughs> did you hear? Did you did you did you hear what I said? You said um, uh, goodbye, and we'll see you next week. This did, I, I teed you up. I teed you up to do your W team thing that you do. Actually, you that stole was pretty it. good. The B team thing. Did you just steal my B team thing? No, 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 <laughs> no. The B team. There, I did. <laughs> that, that's Carl. <laughs> this is Brady. And uh, in case you hadn't noticed, there's absolutely no structure or formality <laughs> or really coherence to this show whatsoever. But the uh, reason we're the B team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a reason this isn't the A team. <laughs> All the professionalism of the movie men lands squarely on Pete's shoulders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he is the Bert to my Ernie, and Carl is the Cookie Monster. And <laughs> yeah, cookie. There's nothing about Ernie and Cookie Monster that uh, that sc- screams high quality success. So there's, you know, <laughs> it is what it is, I suppose. Um, it's our it's our weekly news show, and we have a metric shit ton to talk about. So we're not going to waste any more time. We're going to hop right into this. Starting with a topic that I already know Carl's response to. <laughs> so why are we talking about it? And 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 sort of also interestingly, I think you might be surprised not at my total opinion of this, but some of the things that I'm going to say. So jumping right into it, last week we got an announcement in the form of a video uploaded to Disney's YouTube channel. And it was one utterly charismatic Dwayne the Rock Johnson, as he always is, standing Mm -hmm. on a beach in Hawaii with his kids, announcing that there is a live-action remake of Moana on the way, starring, and I quote, yours truly. (laughs) Such an arrogant idiot. Um, And and yeah, so there's a live-action Moana coming starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Now, we don't know yet for sure if other cast members are reprising their roles or if they're going to be recast and it's just Dwayne the Rock Johnson, it, you know, it's kind of, it's one of those tricky things where like Dwayne the Rock Johnson happens to look like physically he's somewhat similar to his character Maui. And so you can kind of, it's not hard to make that leap. Whereas in the world of voice acting, you can have just about anyone voicing just about any of these other roles. And so, Casting the same person in a live-action remake can be a little more difficult. Um, before before we jump into what you think, I have two thoughts. One is, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, 
as <coughs> per always, it's smart business. It's a guaranteed massive payday at the box office. Um, and it's, it's as we've said, it's, it's movie business. It's show business. It's not show friends. It's not, it's, it's not show hobby. It's not show community work. It's, it's show business. And so what's going to bring in dollars? Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson and, and a live action remake of, of an incredibly popular Disney property. There's going to be kids lining up to go see this. Now, Hang on, I hang on, th- hang on. So, <clears throat> I don't disagree fully that with that statement, but in the last few years, the I don't think these have these remakes really done as well <laughs> as you're touting. I don't want to blanket say make the statement that they're not because some wow. of them were pretty good, but like more recently. The Pinocchio movie was apparently bad. I haven't even watched it because of the reviews. Right. But we're talking about box office dollars. And so if you're talking box office dollars, something like the Pinocchio movie isn't in the conversation because it didn't get a theatrical release. Mm. Right. That was a that was a straight to Disney Plus plopping. So to speak. Okay. Um so to answer your question, <clears throat> these are why are these domestic numbers? I want worldwide numbers. I need worldwide numbers. I want numbers that are worldwide. Why are these all Okay. <laughs> so here we go. <clears throat> so some of the more recent um live action Disney Huchimacallits. Okay, and this is not like we all talk about this like this is a, like a whole new thing, and and Disney never used to do this. One hundred and one Dalmatians, man, back in the day in the nineties, nineteen ninety six with uh, Glenn Close and um, oh, who's the uh, Jeff? Jeff, uh, the other guy in Dumb and Dumber. Why am I Jeff? Um, uh, oh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name. Um, why am I, oh, Jeff, uh, no, not Dahmer, that's, no, Jeff Daniels, <laughs> Jeff Dahmer is a different guy, uh, yeah, Jeff Daniels, right, so it, it, it's not, it's not a new thing, but, so let's, let's take a look at this here, um, starting with the Dumbo film, okay, the, wait, right, which I also haven't seen. Right. Well, yeah, it's fine. Um, so globally, 353 million. So not box office. Like that That one was a bit of a financial disappointment for them. Um, but it's a little bit more of an obscure property, right? Like you'd be, because it's such an old film and it's not a Disney princess property, you don't have that, that belovedness among all of the kids. Um, so next up we have Cinderella, the live action Cinderella that came out in 2015, $542 million worldwide. Maleficent, $758 million worldwide. The Alice in Wonderland, the Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, 
uh, 1.3 billion dollars worldwide. Aladdin came in at 1.5 billion dollars worldwide. The Jungle Book was uh, do 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 uh, total. 966 million, so very close to that billion dollar mark. Uh, 1.26 billion dollars for Beauty and the Beast, and the number one reigning champion among all of these was uh, was the Lion King, <laughs> with close to 1.7, one and three quarter billion dollars worldwide so it is it's it's like nine times out of ten and if you look at the ones that haven't done so well um being things like the pinocchio one wasn't very good the live action lady and the tramp that they did kind of pretty mediocre those were both lower budget projects those were always meant to not get a theatrical release and just be dumped straight onto disney plus so you know, it's whether they were good or bad or whatever doesn't really factor so much into the business model because there was no one signing up for Disney Plus just to see the Lady and the Tramp movie, right? Like, it's, it's just yeah. not, that's not, that's neither here nor there. The one thing I will say about this is it, you know, every time they announce one, like, we've got the Little Mermaid's, like, imminent, it's right around the corner. We've seen set photos and all that. They're like well underway with the the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs one. Fantastic. Um, this one feels strange because it's such a because it just came out, right? Like Moana's not that old, and so I think that's the one thing about this that I'm like, okay, are we getting into a weird place now? where instead of just going back and doing the old beloved animated films as live and live action remakes, where now we're looking at like, oh, okay, well, this came out four years ago and it was a massive hit. So then I'm like, okay, well, so how far out is the Frozen live action thing? And how far out is the Encanto live action thing? Because the gloves seem to be off now maybe a little bit yeah I, and this was like that's like the biggest argument i've seen online too it's like it's not even 10 years old what are you doing yeah so i don't know it'll be interesting to see how this shapes out i do wonder how much like dwayne the rock johnson being dwayne the rock johnson i wonder how much of this like i wonder if this is a property that disney would have been looking at shortly to do a live action remake of anyways and how much of it is Dwayne the Rock Johnson getting in there and being like I'm Dwayne the Rock Johnson right? <laughs> like you know this is yeah. a film I really want to make I'm going to co-produce it with you guys I'm going to like you know blah, I want to promote blah. my like, brand yeah I gotta you know like uh, my butt still hurts a little bit from the the reaming I got over Black Adam so I kind of got to get my name behind something that's going to be super globally successful again I'm jumping ship from DC and I'm coming over to Disney hang out well, with Well, I mean, guys. he's been with, you know, he did he did the, he's been with Disney for a bit anyways, right? Because yeah. he is in Moana. Uh, <laughs> he just did Jungle Cruise with them, um, yep. with Emily Blunt, which I also don't think was very good. Um, but that was kind of Jungle Cruise. The problem with the Jungle Cruise movie is, again, Disney was like, oh, this Pirates of the Caribbean thing worked immaculately. 
what other rides do we have that we can form a whole film around? And it's like, uh, just stop. Yeah. Just stop. Do you have any other thoughts on this other than, you know, the usual, like, make something new, stop doing this? I think I do, actually. I think you might be surprised here. So I think as far as, like, live action remakes go, I think this is a better idea and opportunity than, say, all the other ones. (laughs) Right. Um, With the exception of that, you know, it's a remake. Why? And... Mm -hmm it's not even 10 years old. Why, you know, kind of the, the go-tos for me and apparently the internet for this movie. But I think it's a really cool opportunity in that you've got essentially the original cast coming back to, to play their characters in live action because not only are they the voices of these characters, but they actually look like these characters which is cool. Right. And I feel like this was my, my gut kind of says, I wonder if they looked at what star Wars has been doing the last couple of years and right. saying, Hey, this works. Let's do it too. Things like having uh, Sadie Sackoff who plays Bo-Katan voiced mm-hmm. her for several seasons in, uh, Star Wars, the um, Clone Wars. Clone Wars. And now is live action and like it works. Yeah. Right? She looks like the character. They they made her look like her in the TV show. And now we've got her in live action. It's like same look, same voice. It's like, wow, this this is great. Yeah. And it, we're going to get it, into It transfers this. over beautifully. So like yeah. <clears throat> they're not going to be able to do a lot of the same set pieces and action and stuff like that, that they do in the animated because it's animated, but I mean, CGI and the fact that these characters, uh, actors look like their characters Mm -hmm. with the exception of, you know, uh, Maui being a little heavier set than the rock is. (laughs) He's got time. Start eating those cheeseburgers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Play the part, man. Get yeah. that uh, bodybuilder bod instead of the no, not bodybuilder. The weightlift, uh, the the brawler, not weightlifter. Uh, the um, oh, strongest man body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. like the strongest man. You watch those strongest man competitions, and they're like, they look kind of chubby, but it's like all muscle. They're just mm-hmm. kind of round in the belly because they got those ab muscles. Just yeah, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, I think so. I think there is like, there is a bit of an opportunity here because the the voice the people who voice these characters are still around. They're they're still and and they look like their characters. So I think yeah. it's it, it has the opportunity to be a really good remake potentially. And this is another interesting part of it, and we will we'll touch on it briefly here, but probably get into it deeper when we talk coming up here about the Ahsoka trailer. I think there's this interesting dynamic when, like, sometimes we have these live-action characters, and then um, in, the, in the event of something like the What If series from Marvel we get to see, all of a sudden, we see the animated version of that character. And it's like, okay, yeah, like, that's... 
you know, cool. It's that's cool, right? It's it's but it it just kind of feels like a lower budget approach when we see a live action character all of a sudden in in an animated thing, just because it's kind of like okay, well, you were able to tell these stories on a lower budget, and you're able to pump them out faster, and and blah blah blah, and all this stuff. There's a certain type of magic, though. I think when the f- script is flipped. And characters who you're familiar with only as animated characters, beloved animated characters, such as Bo-Katan. And all of a sudden, you get to see the live-action version of them, right? We saw it with Cad Bane was another example, right? People were losing their minds when Cad Bane showed up in season two of Mandalorian because it was like, whoa, this is like, it, it just, it made it so much more tangible it made it feel real right this character that has just kind of been you know been beloved but has had this certain sort of like throwaway feeling to them simply because they've only been an animated character so to see them in flesh and blood and 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 you know right there in front of you it it's there's something fun about that that you don't get the other way around yeah, in a scenario like that where it's a a large universe that's got, you know, m- multiple mediums to kind of uh, tell the story, right? So you've got Star we're talking Star Wars now. You've got the the movies which are kind of like the main story, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then you've also got TV shows that are animated. Now we got live action TV shows. You got books, you got comic books. You you know what I mean? Yeah. So for, yeah, for someone, for a character like Cad Bane, who is in book of Fett, not Mandalorian (laughs) to, to who was only in, who is only ever in an animated show, which like you were saying, it feels like even though it's Canon, it feels uh, a little bit more removed from the imp- important kind of canon. Right. Right. To you see them in all of a sudden live action, it's like, oh, yeah, now that this kind of solidifies that the, the reality mm. of this person is is really actually in this universe. You know why I got the, the book, of Boba, book of Boba Fett and season two of Mando mixed up? Yeah. <laughs> No, this isn't a knock. It, it like yeah, genuine okay. um, because when Cad Bane shows up, it's like it's that same town, right? It's that town that that Boba Fett's armor that Din retrieves Boba Fett's armor from. It's on Tatooine. Right. Like it's the same right. yeah. setting. It just yeah. Anyways, and also it's the same show basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> so all right. Well, moving on. Um, you're not a big fan of the Oscars. You don't you don't take stock really in the Oscars. Um, I mean, I just don't like. You don't like the ceremony aspect. Yeah. It. So let, do do we need to get into that? No, no, <laughs> no, not no, really. no. I anyway, just, no, 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 no. I, I was just I was. I, I don't. I was, I'm not a fan of watching them myself. Okay. I think. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into it briefly. <laughs> I feel like I need to pref like need to like explain myself. So I don't. I think the Oscars are 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 fine. I think my own opinion of it is, you know, it's a bunch of Hollywood elites patting themselves on the back, but it's, you know, like their award shows, like their awards mean nothing to me. Who's winning. What means nothing to me because well, 
half of the movies that are nominate even nominated I've never seen I don't care about I'm not interested in they're, they're, all that kind of stuff <clears throat> so mm-hmm. yeah it just who who wins what I, I could care less about <laughs> yeah but it, it's it's um yeah it's more just like a personal thing the Oscars are in and of themselves they can you know they can do what they want it's fine mm-hmm. but so anyway objectively the Oscars if you're in Hollywood if you're in the movie making business the Oscars are the they're Pinnacle. the creme de la creme they yeah. are, you know, if you're if you're shooting to win an award, <laughs> some people will win, you know, uh, a SAG award. Some people will win a Teen Choice award. Some people will win, you know, what, yeah. whatever it is. Um, if you win a best Oscars, actor or best actress, you've you've made it to the top. You're, you're, made on, you're it on the to top, top of the mountain. It is the most prestigious title that you can be that you can be a given in the movie industry. And recently, in the last couple of years, Netflix, of all people, of all streaming services, of all, well, not of all streaming services, of all studios, have started dipping their toes into that Academy Awards circuit. Um, and they were able to do so. This It was kind of controversial a little bit among other people in Hollywood, I think, because it was kind of like... You know, Netflix has had to struggle to get themselves taken seriously as a producer of content. Um, something that I think they've made some big leaps and bounds in with stuff like their Glass Onion film um, and some of the other stuff that they're that they're pumping out. But the reason why Netflix was able to do this is because of the pre-existing qualifications in order to be considered for Oscar nomination. And up until now, and still currently now, because this this hasn't been this change hasn't been pushed through yet. Um, but up until now, basically in order to qualify, you simply had to have your project, your film, it could even be and you know when it, like there's an award for short films. Um, but your project had to screen in one of six markets in the U.S. Um, for a, a minimum of a week, I believe. And it was like L.A. was one of them. I think New York is one of them. Like it's like the six biggest major markets. Your film had to screen in one of those markets for a week. And once it did that, then it was considered a theatrical release, and you could be considered for an Oscar nomination. And so, for instance, and Netflix has started kind of dabbling in that, right? So, like, Glass Onion got a very limited theatrical release, as well as dropping on Netflix. Um, And it's been proven, scientifically proven. It's no longer up for debate. The numbers are in. It's irrefutable that films on streaming services perform substantially better if they've gotten a theatrical release. Hmm. Even if you're, you know, so if if Apple <coughs> TV Plus or whatever makes whatever film they're making and their plan is, wow, this is for our streaming service. And we're going to drop it on the streaming service because we think it's going to bring in new subscribers and numbers and, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
That's really only ever effective if it's first seen a theatrical release. It, it just is what it is. And so, anyways, so Netflix had started dabbling in that, and it got them the ability to be considered for, for Oscars. And this was a pretty lenient qualification thing, because essentially, it was you just had to play in one of those markets, and you only had to play in one theater. So you could take your film, put it in one theater in one market for one week, and now you're considered for the Oscars. Well, the Academy is talking about changing the qualifications. And in their statement that, that the Academy released, they don't mention Netflix by name. But this is certainly a big F you to Netflix. <laughs> like this is, this, <laughs> what they're proposing is simply, because the only person, the only people that this affects is streaming services because there's yeah. no other film studio that is releasing films that are going to be affected by this this proposed change. And the proposed change is that now, in order to be considered for an Oscar, your film has to play in as many as 20 markets. So we went from one theater in one market to 20 markets. Your film needs essentially a wide release theatrical run in order to be considered for the Oscars. So, again, the Academy did not say, hey, Netflix, go to hell. But in not so many words, the Academy said, hey, Netflix, go to hell. <laughs> go to hell. Um, and Netflix is going to, if Netflix wants to be, you know, if they want to continue to be in the running for these these awards, they're going to have to drop a lot of dough because it's not cheap. It's not, you know, it's not just like a, hey, check here and we'll stick your 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 movie in the theaters. You have to pay, right? This is, it's not, you're going to have to increase your marketing, right? All of a sudden you're introducing a massive marketing campaign for your theatrical release. You're paying to get your film into these markets. It's, it's, I, it'll be interesting to see how this shapes out. I know ultimately you're like, eh, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> but do you have any, do you have any thoughts that you can add to this? Does this seem to you like the Academy is targeting streaming services and saying, we, we don't want you here? Or have I missed the boat here and there's some other reason why the Academy would be doing this. I mean, it definitely seems like they're purposely kind of trying to weed out uh, specific like, str like streaming services straight to straight to a streaming service products, which I mean, <clears throat> on one hand, I'm like, that's a dick move. Like, these are good. They're, they're no less good films that are worth attention in terms of awards, right? Like, like they got, especially when you look at a lot of the Netflix uh, films that they've been making the last couple of years, like, they're bringing in some big talent nowadays now, right? Like they're not oh, yeah. red notice like was little Ryan, indie films, indie. Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne, the rock Johnson and Gal Gadot. 
Yeah. Right. Like, yep. Yep. <clears throat> right. So yeah, on one hand I'm like, dick move Oscars. But <laughs> on the other hand, dick I'm move. thinking, wh- why, why don't streaming? Why doesn't, why doesn't Netflix just kind of do a, a full theatrical release for their bigger movies and have it come to the streaming service a month later. Cause they're like, stupid. if you want to watch this movie early, it's, it's in the theaters and you can watch it, but then it's gotta be, you know, it'll be on our streaming service in a month or two. Mm-hmm. Kind of the way it's, it's, it's traditionally has been for yeah. other movies. Yeah. Right. Like what I'm trying, I'm trying, I don't, I don't know the the financing for ha- having a movie go to theaters. Like, what's the the cost versus the 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 profit margin would be for something like that for Netflix? So, like, my my thought in terms of an example would be um, my my mind went to to uh, Bullet Train, but Bullet Train was on what did go to the theaters, and then. My thought might was like, well, is there something else? Oh, okay. Gray Man. I seen Gray Man recently. Ryan Gosling um, and uh, shoot, Captain America. Uh, uh, Chris Evans. Chris Evans, right? Like big names, right? And the movie is really good, right? But it it's it's a Netflix exclusive. Never saw theatrical release. Yeah. That movie you know could have potentially means? done really well in the theaters. I saw a lot of advertising for it mm-hmm. outside of Netflix. So they, they have an advertising budget. Like yep. what financially would be the downside to having a theatrical release window prior to releasing on your streaming service? There isn't one. And, exactly. And because if you, if you simply just drop something on your streaming service – Unless it's, especially if it's something like Gray Man, right? Like it, an argument can be made when you start getting into like MCU projects or DC projects or or uh, Star Wars projects. Now, it, it would still be incredibly stupid not to do a theatrical release first, but the odds that someone is signing up for your streaming service just to see one of those is a little bit higher than it is for something like Gray Man. There yeah. may have been five people globally who signed up for Netflix in order to see Gray Man. And I think that five is me being generous, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And so what that means, because the only way that Netflix makes revenue, because they're not playing ads and they're not, like there's there's no other revenue for them aside from subscriptions, it means that Netflix made Gray Man at a loss. They yeah. made it, and didn't it, make a penny off it. Yeah, and that's my thought, right? Like that, and that's kind of where, like, I'm running this kind of loop in my head about okay, co- cost versus expense, income, and anal- like trying to analyze this in my head, running it around a couple times, and it's like th- I just keep thinking like this is just like another revenue ink stream. Yeah. Right. Like how? Espe- okay, with especially with this, they're they're trying to bring in this password sharing ban thing and they're trying to do you know like and and a lot of people are like just not using netflix they're using something else instead 
this is an opportunity to have people view your content that otherwise wouldn't because they don't subscribe to your streaming service or they don't Mm -hmm. have access to it. So this is a debate that Pete and I had back during the pandemic. And, and I will tell you that I, so our stance on this was I told Pete, I made a statement back as we were coming out of the pandemic and Warner Brothers, basically, it was it was rooted out of the fact that Warner Brothers, without talking to any of their stu- or their um, filmmakers, without like they just made an executive decision, and everyone who had made films for Warner Brothers that year found out in press releases the same way the rest of us found out was that Warner Brothers was taking their entire year of theatrical releases, and were just going to drop them all on HBO Max instead. They were just going to throw them all. Right. All on to the same the thing that source. happened with Black Widow. Yeah. And exactly. And and it was a dick move and and they lost a lot of money doing it and so on and so forth. And my what I told Pete at the time was that there is no like of the pre-existing models that are out there for for film distribution whether it be renting it from a, an online service, buying it digitally from an online service, watching it on a streaming service, or going to a movie theater, sitting down and watching the film. There is no model that currently exists that works as well, that comes close to being as financially profitable for a film than the system that we've had for decades upon decades, which is put a movie in the theaters and people go watch it in the theaters. And Pete argued that Pete didn't think that that was necessarily, he didn't like propose this is the other one that's better. And this is why, but he, he resisted sort of my statement. Um, And I will tell you that I respect Pete's, opinion on this i will also tell you that pete's opinion on this is wrong (laughs) that it you know that that it wasn't my opinion that i was giving this was look at the numbers look the proof is in the pudding yeah i would i i would say pete pete would probably be right in terms of like netflix revenue when netflix was at its was at its peak probably would have been competitive but only at the same time at the same time their product was not at the same level as kind of a Hollywood box office. Uh, right. Because picture. when Netflix was at their prime, that was really for the most part before they were making their own content. Yeah, that's yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so not, if you're it's making not something. a, it's more of an apples versus oranges comparison. Yeah. They're both round, making, but they're, they're still different. If they're you not make making a film. something They're they're just showing it. Yeah. If you make a film, and and you want that film to do financially well, there is no better route than a theatrical release. Yeah. So I, and I just had a thought uh, as you were talking there, uh, and I, I mentioned Black Widow. One of the big issues that Black Widow had when they went direct to Disney Plus was, um, oh man, this is me being bad at names, people. Uh, what's her Scarlett name? Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson was really ticked off because part yep. of her contract was that she got a cut of the box office numbers. Yeah. She basically got screwed out of her paycheck. Yeah. So that, 
that right there would be an expense to someone like Netflix if to have a box office release, but also at the same time, you you like that would potentially lower the your it's another negotiating tool for actors, right? Mm-hmm. Actor actor X wants ten million dollars. Oh, that's a lot. Wants a million dollars to play your lead role. Okay, but uh, why don't we give you? Uh, three quarters of that. And then you get X amount for X percentage of the box office. Okay. Let's do that. You know, like it's a, it's, it's a cost, but it's also a negotiating tool to bring in talent. So even though it's an expense, there's, there's also um, a bit of a, bit of a, um, uh, a credit there. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking up because one of the most famous examples of this is Jack Nicholson. Um, Jack Nicholson was paid $6 million up front to play the Joker in, um, in, in the Batman film. Okay. Um, but he also negotiated, uh, he also negotiated, he might've been 10% or something less. He, he negotiated that part of his contract was that he was going to get a certain amount of the box office revenue. 10% would be pretty substantial. Yeah, I do. it might not have been. Well, no, actually it might have been. This means do, 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 do uh, which means at the end of the day, Jack Nicholson for playing the Joker took home $90 million. Yeah. That like, percent's a lot. <laughs> when you're talking pretty, like those big million dollar numbers, 10% yeah. is a lot of money. Well, and but it was okay, and the studio said sure because it would like he would not have gotten that on a sequel, but it was no, it was it, an it, unsure th- yeah. movie. Yeah, it, another example before we move on is is originally James Cameron tried to get Matt Damon to be in Avatar, right? And he had some scheduling conflict. You can do you know blah blah blah, um, but James Cameron offered him. I think it was three percent. Three percent of the the you know the global whatever box yeah. office, and three percent we was kind of like ah yeah I don't know we'll see, um and ultimately didn't end up doing it, but three percent on a film that grossed two point eight billion dollars. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a that you're still looking at a, a lot of millions there. <laughs> that's a happy payday. That is a happy payday. All right, moving on. Um, you know. In the in the 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 pantheon of underappreciated great heroes, great comic book characters, there's a lot of there's a lot of comic book characters that people just really don't know about that are right, that's completely fine. <laughs> the fact that the general public has no idea who the Condiment King is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably it's probably okay. <laughs> Right. Like it's, it's, you know, and even when you get into some of the X-Men, right? Like the majority of people know the main, they know who Cyclops is. They know who Storm is. They know who um, Jean Grey is. They know who Wolverine is, so on and so forth. Maybe Iceman. But then you also get into things like, you know, you know, you could ask that same group of people who all say, yeah, I know who, who Cyclops is. Um, You could say, well, okay, now tell me something about kitty pride and they'd be like ah sorry who <laughs> right and that's it's it is what it is but i mean there's so many flipping x-men that that 
there's even X-Men that I don't know very much yeah. about. Tell me about Squirrel Girl. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> one of the characters, though, who not a lot of people know about, right? Yeah. In the grand it, And has been around things, for quite some time. Quite some time. And not a lot of people know about. And it's kind of a crying shame because he's a pretty freaking sick character is the Blue Beetle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most people, I would say, who do know about Blue Beetle, was it was it The Bold and the Brave? Was that the animated show that also had Blue Beetle in it? Uh, young, uh, um, Blue Beetle had the, the non-superpowered version, I think. Right. There was like, but there was a uh, Batman Titans. show. Teen, one of the Teen Titans or Young, it was Young Justice, I think. Teen Titans or Young Justice had the kind of powered up version that we're going to be getting. That we're gonna Batman and Blue Beetle show. Yeah, The Bold and the Brave from 2008 had had Blue Beetle in it. Um, and so a lot of people were introduced to the character that way. Um, and it was announced a while ago, like a couple of years ago now, that we were getting a Blue Beetle movie and that it was going to be a straight to streaming movie that this was a lower budget sort of tv movie style film uh and then a little while after that announcement was made it was decided and it was announced that the blue beetle was getting the upgraded treatment the blue beetle you know they liked the story that they had they liked the direction it was going and that Blue Beetle was going to get a theatrical release, that, that we're now making this as one of our main theatrical projects. Now, Blue Beetle, being a DC property, kind of falls in this like bizarre purgatory area right now with DC. And okay, so like the Blue Beetle movie's coming, but what does it mean? Where does it fit in? Is it going to be canon? Is it... Is it at the end of this old line of canon? Is it going to be a part of the new line <laughs> yeah. of canon? Like, what the hell does this it, even mean? It's, yeah, it's it's with with the uh, turnover, James Gunn turnover. Yeah, yeah, it's like we thought. Yeah, this is back to the we thought everything was going into the dumpster fire. Now apparently, not everything's going in the dumpster fire? Yeah. Question mark. Which which so only not- hurts any current like any prospective DC films prospects. Right, it, because we're all like, well, we don't even know. We don't. We, yeah. we're, we're so confused. It, do, we don't know. It, Does yeah. this matter? If this film doesn't matter at all, why go bother watch it? Yeah. So, having said all that, we got our first trailer for Blue Beetle. Yeah, we did. And all I'm going to say before passing it over to you is, it looks <clears throat> fun. It looks pretty damn faithful to source material as you know again any live action adaptation that you do you're always going to have to make some changes because if you took everything from from the page and stuck it straight on in front of a camera some of it's going to be absurd and ridiculous and not work and so some changes are always necessary um the one thing i will say is and I just don't know if it's like not a super polished end product trailer. It doesn't look like a TV movie. Like it doesn't look like something out of the Arrowverse. But it doesn't quite look theatrical to me either. 
Like it does look like something that was half shot intended to be a low budget TV release and halfway through they made the decision to make it theatrical and had to kind of scramble to up the quality. And maybe that's just me, but some things just about like, I don't know if it was like his, the the heads up display when he's inside the mask that we kind of get a shot of. I don't know if it was some of the CGI. I don't know what it was, but I just got, it could have even been some of the color grading, like the palette didn't feel very cinematic. It kind of felt like TV type stuff. Um, but either way, I'm still excited for it. I just, I hope that, I hope for DC's sake, because again, it's a risky property, right? It's like when, it's kind of like when Marvel brought out Guardians of the Galaxy, right? And the majority of people, like this, this trailer shows up online and a lot of people are looking at it going, I'm sorry, who? <laughs> right? It's it's not like a new Superman film. It's not like a new Wonder Woman film. It's not even like a new Green Lantern film, which is obviously a more popular character, but still more of an obscure character when you put it up against Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Um, I just hope they, I hope for DC's sake that making this a theatrical release wasn't a mistake. And I say that in, because I was like, wow, Brady, you just finished saying that all films should get theatrical releases. <laughs> yes, but all films should, all film productions should start with the intention of a theatrical release. And things can get messy, sloppy, and kind of corner-cutty when you decide halfway through, let's try to make this more of a cinematic thing than what we've currently already been making it. Anyways, you saw this trailer. What are your thoughts? I think it looks great. I watched I've I've mentioned on this podcast several times that I've watched a lot of the DC animated stuff um and <clears throat> Blue Beetle this version of Blue Beetle played a big part in the Young Justice TV show uh which they did a huge storyline just around the Blue Beetle and where the scarab comes from the, that uh, kind of gives him his powers and and stuff like that and it was like it was a really good storyline and made the kind of showed off showcase the character really well and yeah everything about this show looks like it uh kind of does justice to the robbie reyes character that uh, is our main character for this this or i guess jamie reyes sorry uh uh, is uh but uh also kind of there's some homage to the previous blue beetle characters from the comics and sh tv shows that they the the scarab doesn't bond with them but they research the scarab and are able to kind of come up with technology and fight crime like batman does uh, with cool tech so uh yeah like Oh man, this just looks really good. Uh, also, man, I I kind of butcher his name. The main char main actor for that plays the Blue Beetle, Jamie Reyes, uh, Zolo Azalo, 
Murad. Yeah, I can't help you out on that one. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's one of the main characters in the uh, um, Karate Kid TV show Cobra Kai. Okay, and he does a great job. He's a great actor. I like him. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about this. I think it looks good. Mm -hmm. I I I would have seen it in theaters. Yeah, well, kind of disappointed it's not. No, it is. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I thought you said it was going straight to streaming. No, that was the original plan. Listen up, son. That was the original plan. And then they gave it the theatrical upgrade partway through production. They were like, okay, we're going to make this into, we're actually going to release this as, as a theatrical release. And so that's kind of my criticism is I'm wondering if I'm seeing some of that. I'm wondering if I'm seeing the artifacts of a, a movie that was intended to be more Arrowverse-y that halfway through they were like, actually, you know what? It's a pretty good story. Let's let's actually release this theatrically. And then all of a sudden the production team is scrambling to kind of give it a bigger feeling. And and you know, so I right. it doesn't it doesn't quite feel TV E to me. <clears throat> But it feels like it falls somewhere in the spectrum between that and what it should feel like if it had been a theatrical production from yeah. the get. I don't, I don't, I didn't get the, yeah, I don't think it feels like a TV show or movie at all, like a direct TV. Right. I think okay. it's, I think the, your, like one of your criticisms in that was like the heads up display. And yeah, I was like, to me, I see it. I'm like, janky. okay, this, this works for me because. Yeah. In my mind, I like kind of knowing some of that history. Like, and hopefully, they I'm hoping that they dive into this for the storyline is like this scarab, this highly advanced piece of technology, it's actually alien technology. So, of course, Mm -hmm. that screen should look weird and not kind of something that a human would have designed. Like, of course, it doesn't look like Tony Stark's, you know what I mean? No, yeah. no, for sure. Anyway. I think certainly part of the dynamic was that this was something I was looking for. Like it was pre-knowledge that I had. And so it was something I was kind of looking for when I saw the trailer. Um, so I, I certainly viewed it through a, a different lens than than other people would have. But yeah, either way, it does look good and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it looks. Yeah. Moving on. Awesome. Have you ever heard of now it's possible that you haven't because it was a a a small film series that came out oh there's four films and it came out like 20 years ago they really dropped the ball when it came to merchandising like there was hardly any there were no toys there were no you know like mcdonald's certainly didn't have happy meal toys for it there was no t-shirts there was no there was no nothing, and so kind of nobody even knew it existed. But there was this. There was this. It wasn't really till movie animated, two or three that they really caught on to that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, no, and I don't know that they ever did. Like there was, there was just no marketing at all. Like nobody even knows that this was ever a thing. But there was. Oh, this, by the second, there third, was this fourth animated. One, they were better. Dude, I'm being had, like, entirely facetious. I'm being entirely facetious. Oh, are you? <laughs> Yes, the marketing <laughs> from this film series. Are you kidding me? The marketing from Shrek. There is more Shrek merchandise than there is oh, for the Shrek. Phantom Menace. Shrek. Oh, right. That's what we're talking. <laughs> Good lord, sir. <laughs> There's a Shrek film coming. 
Shrek 5. Not only is there a Shrek 5 coming with all of the original cast reprising their roles, uh, but it sounds like we're also getting a Donkey spinoff movie, which is something I think you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, that Eddie Murphy was like, oh, I think Donkey should get a, a spinoff. Story yeah. told. Yeah, he was like, he was talking about <clears throat> the Puss in, like, in response to the Puss in Boost, Puss in Boots yeah. um, sort of wave that's happening. Uh, Eddie Murphy was like, I want a Donkey movie. And um, that was a horrible Eddie Murphy. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, and we were both kind of like, ah, you know, I don't know. Donkey kind of like, my take on it was that Donkey is a really great supporting character. He's really, really great when he's playing off of Shrek. You were a little more warm to the idea. You thought, no, I don't know. I think I, I think he could carry his own film. Well, it sounds like he's going to. And it sounds like Shrek 5 is coming with all the original cast. Um, you know... My thoughts on this are several. My thoughts are Mike Myers could use a win. And <laughs> so I'm all for that. I'm still a big Mike Myers fan. And so I'd love to see him back in the spotlight doing, doing you know, what I, if Shrek 5 is super successful, it just leads, it just lends more credence to the idea of an Austin Powers 4. Right. Because that's what the that, world that brings. <laughs> It, well, I mean, does it need any of these films? Um, but so I think that's exciting. I part of me kind of wonders if this is a case of too little, too late. But I mean, it wasn't too little, too late for Ghostbusters. It wasn't too little, too late for any of these legacy sequels that seem to be coming. And people are like, "Oh man!" Like I'm so nostalgic getting back into it. It's certainly easier easier because it's an animated property. You can release a fifth film 10, 12, 13 years later and have it that only a year has passed within the story. Um, right. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of... I'm curious. I wouldn't say I'm excited. I would say I'm curious. I might become excited when I see a trailer. Right now, I'm curious. The first track is fantastic. The second one, I would argue, is even better than the first. The third, I've never seen all the way through, despite trying several times. I did see the fourth in the theaters, but I was kind of like, eh, like, I don't know. <laughs> it just felt yeah. like the gimmick the gimmick had run its course. Um, I don't know. But you hear all this. You hear we're getting Shrek 5, all the original cast, and a donkey spinoff film, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, the Shrek Shrek 5 story does nothing for me. The donkey one, like we've talked about before, you know, this this could be interesting, you know, the the fan theory that Donkey is a kid from that island from Pinocchio where boys turn into donkeys. You know, that that could be interesting, you know, like him and Pinocchio kind of from having like a little story or something like that, 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 that's got a little more bite in terms of like get, catching my attention. Um, and like I, I, last we talked about that kind of Eddie Murphy wanting to do the donkey spinoff. I had recently watched the Puss in Boots movie and it, it was the last wish. Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah. And it was, it was really cool. Uh, and the reason I thought it was cool is because outside of Puss and Boots, 
all the other, almost all the other characters were from these other fairy tales, children's stories and poems that they kind of put these really cool, weird, fun spins on, Mm -hmm. which is essentially what made, in, in my opinion, what made was, was a lot of the charm of the first, maybe, I I don't know if the third one did it as well, but at least the first two, um, uh, Shrek films, right? Like seeing uh, all these fairy tale creatures getting rounded up, uh, because the King doesn't like them. He thinks they're weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then having them interact with each other and, we know their backstories, but then their backstories get a little weird, you know, like, and like the, I can't remember his name, but the King's like interrogating, uh, the, 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 uh, the gingerbread man is like, you know, like where, where is this thing? Or I can't remember what he's asking about, but then the, the, the gingerbread man is like, do you know the muffin man? I know the muffin man. <laughs> The one who lives on Drury Lane, you know, like it was like just really fun little interactions that, but, uh, they put their weird spins on them. And, and mm. that was one of the real charms of the Puss in Boots movie, I thought. So to see something like that in a spinoff movie, I think would be more entertaining than to like, let's revisit all of the old characters and have them go on another adventure together and like, what, why not just take one of them and then introduce mm-hmm. a huge new cast of other characters from other rhymes and stories and, and, and give them weird stories and backstories kind of spin their stories, you know, like that feels more interesting to me than the whole new cast and one new antagonist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Does that, yeah. Does that vibe? Does that does that do you, do you get what I'm sewing? Get what I'm I'm, I'm laying down. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, like that. Yeah. that that feels way more interesting than than the whole cast returning to me. If I'm going to get excited about Shrek Five, I think it's going to require them sort of going back to basics because the first two Shrek films kind of weren't like the first the second one kind of builds on and complicates the universe a little bit more than the than what was in the first one but within sort of a a reasonable amount still what i found with three and four was this sort of trap that dreamworks had fallen into where they just kept trying to up themselves they just kept trying to go bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and I just did it lost its charm. It lost the fun little charm of of those first two Shrek films. So Yeah. So like yeah. I'm trying to remember what the later ones were. So the first one Shrek rescuing Fiona. Yeah. Fiona turns out to be an ogre too. An ogre. The second know. one the second one was about Prince Charming and wanting to steal the, the fairy Fiona. godmother he's, and he's bent out of shape because he was supposed to rescue Fiona. like he was yeah. kind of like betrothed and shrek and donkey and all them sort of get turned into humans yeah we meet fiona's parents fiona's mm-hmm. dad made a deal with the fairy godmother mm-hmm. fiona's then, what, mother what, played what, by julie andrews by the way what were I what mean, were even the third and fourth one, like the third even, one. And I can only tell you so much because again, I haven't seen it all the way through, yeah. but it, it has to do with King Arthur. They go and they, 
they meet up with King Arthur, or like a young, he's like, I, I don't know, he's like 14 or something and a pain in the ass and blah, blah, blah. The fourth one was about Rumpelstiltskin. And Shrek accident Rumpelstiltskin tricks Shrek into wishing that the events of all the previous films had basically never happened. And he's just like back in his swamp and you know, so then he has to, it's all about him like trying to undo that and, and get his wife and his kids back. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think again, I saw it in this theater when it came out and I haven't seen it since. And that would have been like 2011 or 2012 or something. Yeah. So it's been a hot it's been a hot minute, but yeah, I don't know. We'll just kind of have to see how this shakes out. I think it's you know, it could be super successful. It could do really really well. It'll just kind of so much of it is going to depend on that first trailer, right? Yeah, I I just very uninterested in a Shrek film with the original cast. I'd moving on. We have, uh, you know, when Disney Plus was announced, one of the beliefs, something that everyone started talking about, one of the big side effects that that the creation of Disney Plus was going to mean was that Disney would never, ever, 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 ever license out any of their IPs to other studios ever again. Because now Disney had a spot to make lower quality, like lower budget Sorry, I shouldn't say lower quality, lower budget projects and dump them on their streaming service, right? There was no yeah. reason to to branch stuff out to other yeah. people anymore. And that thought is, per, is, is like even solidified by the fact that they've pulled back some of their IPs that they had let other streaming mm-hmm. services use, like Netflix with some of the Marvel properties. Yes. Well, so, but then since, the, yeah. And so then the other thing that's happened though is since Disney was notorious for for lending out their IPs, licensing out their IPs, Disney's acquired a hell of a lot more IP, <laughs> right? In terms of Fox, Fox. and Marvel and Star <laughs> yeah. Wars and, you know, even to some extent, Pixar, right? They they were partners with Pixar before, but it, it wasn't always the case. Like when Toy Story came out, Disney didn't own Pixar like they do now. Well, when... Bob Iger came back as CEO of Disney. He started making some changes, as we knew he would. And one of the changes that he made that we started talking about um, maybe a month ago now was that Bob Iger said, look, we're going to slow this puppy down a little. We're going to shift from quantity back to quality. We don't need 17 Marvel products a year. Thing. We don't need the Baba 10 Star Wars projects a year. It'd be nice if one of those projects were a film, but <laughs> we're going to get into that. Um, but yeah, he just basically said, you know, we're going to slow this puppy down because at the rate that we're releasing projects, it's impossible to maintain quality control. It's just impossible. We just stuffed flying out the doors and Kevin Feige doesn't have time to be everywhere he needs to be. And so 
we all kind of, you know, we speculated on what that was going to mean. Um, but ultimately, we kind of didn't know, right? Like, okay, well, what's going to happen to these projects? And what's going to happen to those projects? And blah, blah, blah. Well, in a recent, uh, I think it was like a shareholders meeting, it was announced, Bob Iger said, um, there's there's quite a potential, there's, there's, there's a lot of room for us to lend out, license out some of our IPs for other studios to, to make some projects. And so what does this mean? Well, it doesn't mean that you're going to see Paramount making Star Wars content. Make no mistake. All Pixar content is still going to be made within Disney. All Star Wars content will still be made within Disney. All Marvel content is still going to be made within Disney. So what could he be talking about? Well, as we talked about recently with some of these other IPs like Predator, like Alien, um, like any of the other stuff that like even like The Simpsons, right? People have been talking about forever. Are we going to get another Simpsons movie? Well, I uh, maybe not by Disney because it could be lower on the priority. Same with you know, like, are we going to get another Predator film? Maybe, but maybe it won't be Disney at the helm. Disney will still be making some fat dough off of it because they own that IP. But it's quite possible that in Bob Iger's approach to okay, let's slow down and. And, and release some projects slower and spend a little bit more time honing them and perfecting them and making sure that we've got them right, in order for fans to then not be waiting 20 years for another Alien film and not waiting 20 years for another Predator film, he could say, hey, Universal, you want to make an Alien film? Um, and depending on the deal... If it makes financial sense for someone like Universal, I think Universal would be a fool not to say, uh, yeah, we'll take a we'll take a piece of your incredibly well established IP. So take a crack I, at it. Yeah. So I find this all super interesting. Um again, we don't know what studios are going to get a hold of what projects, what projects or, or what IPs Disney is even interested in in um, licensing out. I think I would think there's going to be quite a vetting process. You're not just going to say like, oh yeah, okay, here, whatever, take a crack at it. Do what you want with our IP. I think there'll be some more stipulation put in place as far as like what a studio is and isn't allowed to do story-wise with these within these universes that Disney owns. Um, but it'll all be interesting to see how that shakes out. Carl, you hear this. Um, is it a mistake for Disney to do this, like, should they be safeguarding and holding on to and not letting anyone else? It's not, they're not selling off the rights like they used to. They're simply saying, okay, yeah, we'll let this other studio make this film and share in some of the profits. Um, is that a mistake? Should they, should they be puppy guarding everything they have and, and holding it close to the chest? I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's a mistake. In fact, I, I'd go a step further than you did. And you, like you said, they're not going to let just any, they're not going to let people make Star Wars or Marvel. I, I think they very, maybe not so much Star Wars because it's not, 
the the characters that are established aren't as uh, numerous, but like something like a Marvel property being done by say Netflix again, I think that's very possible. And that I know because like we we had just talked about how there are you know like the Blue Beetle Blue Beetle's kind of a not a super well known DC character. Well, I mean, Disney's already done this with Netflix before Disney Plus dropped, it being a caveat here, obviously. But, you know, like they said, hey, you know, Iron Fist and uh, Daredevil. And, well, Daredevil was pretty well known because of the crappy but Luke ben Cage, Affleck Jessica film, Jones, but, uh, which did have its saving graces, but was still bad. Um, like the, the, they could say, hey, Netflix, we've got these characters in the Marvel stable that are not very well-known characters. Do you want to take a crack at a TV show? Right. Like, why not? Right. Yeah. Like how, um, is it X force? I think it's X. I better Google this quick. I think X force is the one that, uh, Deadpool is on, but, but like but, yeah, hey Netflix, like there's, we have there's, we have this character named um, yeah, no. named Dynaman. Do you want to do something with him? We have this character named um, Orb. You want to do something with Orb or or you know Baron yeah. Skullfire? Alpha Flight, Alpha Flight. Yeah. You want to do an Alpha Flight show? Like mm-hmm. for those that don't know, Alpha Flight is like the Canadian version of the X Men or the Avengers in Marvel, like. These are characters that hardly anybody knows about, right? Like one of the characters, his name is Puck, and he's like this short guy, and he literally just goes up into, rolls up into a ball and bounces around. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like a big uh, Sasquatch looking dude, and like like th- these are these are characters that they'd be they'd be even more of a risk at the box office than. Guardians of the Galaxy would be mm-hmm. or was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, hey, you know what? We'll let you do this for a cut of the profits if there are any. Mm-hmm. It might flop. Make a TV show. We we yeah. still want it. We still want some creative control to make sure you're doing it within our standards so that it meets our properties and storylines and, you know, like it falls com- comfortably within our universe. Mm-hmm. But uh, make an Alpha Flight show, make an Exile show, make a Hellions show, make a Marauder show. Like these are all X Men related groups, Marvel groups that that have characters within them that are very uh, well known within like comic book fan circles. But even in comic book circles, some of them are kind of lesser known. Interesting question for you. If if Marvel did that, if if Disney said to Netflix, "Hey, you know, we have we have this character named Stingray, right? Stingray was he's he's sort of a a sea-based an ocean-based character. He was part of the Avengers at one point, blah blah blah. Like they, you know, they're trying to talk the character up as far as, you know, like some some I don't know, make him seem worthwhile doing something with. Um, or Alpha or Lionheart or whoever, right? Um, do you think 
that that they that a stipulation would be you're making this uh you're taking a marvel character you're going to do something with them but this is its own thing this is a standalone off their kind of kind of like what joker with joaquin phoenix is or do you think that they would allow it to be connected to the mcu i'm inclined to think that they would require it to be its own thing because again anything that's mcu connected that's done by another studio you're 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 re- you're doing too much to remove kevin feige from the equation and you're just complicating and and removing sort of this coherence with what the plan is moving forward hmm. um yeah i mean that's that's definitely one way to go about it I think it you could you I think I think it could be done that it still folds within the MCU can but I mean it it would be certainly easier to to make it its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um the big uh, yeah you'd have to somehow within that universe somehow make it very obvious that this is not part of the MCU. Mhm. Yeah. Or or it just happens like, you know, now that we're in multiverse, you could be like, well, it's the MCU, but it's not Earth 616. Yeah. Right. It's its own, which I could be another smart way about about doing it. Yeah. Look, we've been talking a lot about Harry Potter. We talked about the death of the Fantastic Beasts franchise. We talked about should they reboot Harry Potter? Should they do some Harry Potter sequels and have the same cast come back as like a you know, 20 years later kind of story, what should they do? Well, it sounds like the speculation is over. The decision has been made and a deal is in the works uh, for a Harry Potter reboot TV series. Um, It'll be a TV series that sounds like it will span seven seasons as each season of the show is going to cover one of the books. Um... It sounds like uh, J.K. Rowling would join the project as a producer and sort of be heavily, um, you know, heavily involved. She would have some creative control there. That should be. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and obviously there's some controversy over that because of of J.K. Rowling's political belief or like you know, social beliefs, which you know, we're not gonna, you know, that's not what this show is. So moving on, but. I think this could be I think this could be really good. You know, one of the criticisms that we have every time they take a film and make it based off of a novel is, well, you know, it was really good, but there's like a lot of stuff they left out. Well, you you have to. <laughs> because yeah, even you if you're going time. to make that novel into a two and a half hour film, yeah. there's just you just can't cover it all. Books books have so much detail into the, in them that <clears throat> You just can't translate it all onto screen and still end up with a project that, A, is something that people, is a length that people would go and consume, or B, has good pacing. Like, it just, it would become a drag of a film. But a TV series, 
a TV series, even if we don't get like proper adult sized seasons, like seems to have gone the way of the Dodo Bird with 20, 22, 24 episodes, even if we stick with this like 12 episode or eight episode bullshit that <laughs> that's been fed to us, it's still a lot more breathing room. It's a lot more room. If you have a 12-hour, let's say that it's 45 minutes, 45 minute episodes, and I'm going to totally butcher this math, but 12 45-minute episodes, you still have 8 hours of storytelling versus 2. You're you're quadrupling the length of yeah, of your you can, adaptation you can spend of a book. More time on little things and side stories, and you bring in like like characters like Peeves the Poltergeist from the books that everyone that never made an appearance in the film, and people were like distraught because in the book he's actually kind of you'd be like this would be really fun to see. He's just this ghost that hangs out around Hogwarts and like screws with everyone and makes life miserable for people. Um, yeah, all of a sudden you have room for all of this. You can tell all these stories. You can dive into chapters that were completely skipped over. You're still going to miss is an out excellent, a lot, probably. But you yeah, can, I think I think this more. is an excellent idea. I've I've been reading people's comments on posts on Facebook and stuff like that. And obviously, there's the backlash of like, like oh, no. <laughs> Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe and, and <laughs> you're going to ruin it. And, and I, I typically avoid engaging in idiots on the internet, but I have delved in a couple of times, mostly just copying and pasting the same response, which is, you know, people saying like, you're going to ruin, you know, why do you have to ruin the films? And I'm like, I'm sorry, please elaborate for me. How will this rebooted TV series ruin a pre-existing film franchise that came out 20 years ago. Are you under the impression that when the first episode of this premieres, Warner Brothers is going to break into your home and snap all of your Blu-rays in half? Because if that is the impression you're under, I have news for you, sweetheart. You're an idiot. <laughs> okay, but it's not going to. It, it will not affect the films. In any way whatsoever. Either you love this show and you jump on board with it, or you have no interest in it, and you you live in the early 2000s with your your Blu-ray, DVD, digital collection, you know, whatever it is, VHS, I guess, of like the first couple um, collection of, of the Harry Potter films. I see no downside to this. I think this is a genius idea. I'm very excited to see what they could do and how they could sort of you know, tell the story in a more source material accurate way. You hear this, you're not a big Harry Potter guy. I'm also not, like, I would say on a scale of 1 to 10 for, like, my Harry Potter fandom, I'm like a 6.5 or a 7. Like, I, I, I really get a kick out of them. I really enjoy them. If you were to sit right now and quiz me on Harry Potter especially when it comes to, like, deeper lore, like, stuff from the books, I'm flunking that with, like, all left, right, and center, right? Yeah, like I'm, just, I'm probably, I'm not like, a, a three or four. I've seen the movies, but I don't know. I, I know who Harry Potter is and Ron Weasley. I don't even yeah. know the twins. I don't know. I haven't gone um, online and taken the quiz. I don't know, I know what who house I'm is. I know the big into. three. 
I know the big three. And then it's like, outside of that, I'm like, I don't know the rest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but you hear this, you hear Harry Potter, our, our questions have been answered. What the hell are we going to do with Harry Potter? <clears throat> Harry Potter is going to get an HBO Max. It's also worth noting, HBO Max, obviously, because it's Warner Brothers and that's their their streaming connection. Um, but the fact that it's going to be an HBO show also sort of gives us some hints, I would say, as far as the production quality and what this show is going to be and feel like. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Hmm. Well, I mean, it, you know, it's a reboot. <laughs> so on one end, I'm kind of same old, same old, like, why? Why Why are we wasting time and money on something that's already been done? Uh, I think the bi- one of the big differences here is that it's a TV show and not a movie, first off. So you're, you're doing a reboot, but kind of in a completely new format. So that, that f- for one, is way more intriguing because of the reasons we stated before. You know, like you can dive into storylines and characters that were completely cut from the original uh, films. Um, and as far as like having to recast and stuff, I mean, we've, we've talked about before recasting characters with new actors and you and I are both on the same page here. Do it. You know, the, 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 the character doesn't serve the actor. The actor serves the character. Actor serves the character. Character serves the story. Yeah. So like, uh, you want Daniel Radcliffe to be your that your epitome of who Harry Potter should be. Well, too bad he's not Harry Potter. He's just an actor no. that played Harry Potter. Did a fantastic job. Doesn't even have the right eye color, though. Right, but like, yeah, like the, he he just he's just played the character. Yeah, he's he's not the character. No. So you want to get bent out of shape because they're casting somebody else to play Harry Potter. Guess what? That new actor is going to be Harry Potter. If <laughs> like yeah. he's th- that actor will serve the character. So yeah, um, that 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 uh, is a ridiculous reason to not uh, cast somebody or do a reboot. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested. I don't I don't have HBO Max, so I'm not. And I'm not interested enough in Harry Potter to go and get HBO Max, but it'll be interesting to see how it does. Yeah. It's worth noting that by the time this show comes out, uh, you'll have, I, I mean, so for us, they'll drop on Crave. And by the time this show comes out, so will the DC projects be coming out. And so I don't, you I don't have will have Crave. Crave so. <laughs> uh, money. Uh, cool. All right, moving on. Well, we have gotten our first trailer for the live-action Rebels sequel movie. Um, oh, I'm wait. Sorry, you're, checking you're my notes again. here. Apparently, it's called Ahsoka. Apparently, it's it, an Ahsoka show. <laughs> Hang on a second. Yeah, you you jumped the gun. Because <laughs> I watched this trailer, and I I was pretty sure I was watching a trailer for. Uh, for the live action rebel sequel show. Am I am I missing something here? I mean, that's pretty much what it's going to be <laughs> by the look of it. it. Listen, which which got in th- itself is exciting. Yes. And 
I kind of figured that this is what they were ramping up for because in yeah. one of the recent episodes of of The Mandalorian, we saw Zeb. We saw yeah. live action Zeb. Really um, good looking Zeb too. Looked great. Looked great. Worth noting, Zeb doesn't show up in this trailer. So yeah. I, I, mean, I assume mean he he'll show, up, show, in show up in the show. I assume he will. Yeah, he would have to. Um, but uh, so we got the Ahsoka trailer. Obviously, we see a lot of Ahsoka. We see some apparent dark side users who we have, who we and the rest of the internet seem to have yet to identify. Um, probably a ri- new, some new original characters. That seems exciting. Um, we see Sabine. Yep. Sabine we see Ren. Sabine from Rebels. We see a hologram of Ezra. We see a hologram of Ezra. We see Hera. Honestly, the biggest response that I've seen, I've watched several like reaction videos, people reacting to the trailer. The big, like Sabine gets a big reaction. Ezra gets a big reaction. Hera gets a big reaction. The the quick glimpse of Lethal that we get gets yep. a reaction. Um, the hologram of Mon Mothma definitely gets a reaction. But none of them come close to the reaction when we see that glimpse of Chopper. Like <laughs> Chopper's, pretty, yeah, Chopper looked great, <laughs> and he's like spazzing. I, I thought out. you were going like for somebody it. else here, but yeah, in terms of our protagonist, Chopper was seeing Chopper live action was really cool. Yes, um, and we see a glimpse from behind of a certain blue-skinned Imperial officer named Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yep, and not only do we see that, I was like, so I was losing my mind. Right. I was losing my mind. We see the shot of Thrawn. It's now been confirmed for us. A lot of people speculated that it was going to be Lars Mikkelsen playing Thrawn. It hadn't been confirmed at the time that the trailer dropped. It is now confirmed that it is, in fact, Lars Mikkelsen. And for those who are saying, who the hell is Lars Mikkelsen and why does that matter? It's relevant to one of our earlier conversations when we talked about getting the person who's done the voice in the animated to come on and actually play the character. He does the voice of Thrawn in Rebels. Does so, it so well, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, kind of, while we're on this topic, right, coming back to that kind of idea of having a voice, somebody voicing an animated character do, do come and do the live action, like, not only are you kind of getting that kind of nostalgia feel or 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 just kind of can keeping things the same because it's mm-hmm. the same voice feeling canonical yeah but also that actor the voice actor knows the character knows the character yeah really well by now right so yeah. like you get that kind of they're going to understand how that character is going to walk and act and yeah. portray themselves. So it reminds bring- me of I was watching a behind the scenes thing for Arkham City a, like while I saw this years ago. But the late great Kevin Conroy is talking about voicing the character and and the the number of times that he would say to the studio like in the recording booth we need to change this line. Right? He, he, he says like that's not like this line needs to be said this way. He says I've been playing the character for 20 plus years. If I did something inauthentic, <clears throat> the audience would call me on it in a heartbeat. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, like, and in that vein, oh man, I'm, I'm not blanking on his name right now. Who voices Darth Maul in the animated? Um, um, uh, 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 oh, no, oh, oh. He's been doing Star Wars stuff for he years. He also does the Emperor a lot. Um, <clears throat> he does the Emperor. He's also the face of Starkiller in the Force Unleashed <clears throat> games. That, that was his first Star Wars bit. Yep. <clears throat> and in that vein, like, the reason he got that cast as that character in that game mm-hmm. was because he understood the, the, the world and he was yeah. a big Star Wars geek. Sam Whitworth. I seen him. Yeah, Sam Whitaker. <coughs> I'm gonna need to step away for a second here, but I want to finish this thought first uh, before I give the let you take over here. Um, in an inter- recent inter- podcast interview uh, with him, he was talking about how he got that part. <coughs> and, I saw this. Yeah, and he was saying, "I was uh, my my interview was I had to." meditate i was i was showing the character meditate was because they did a lot of mocap for this so he they they did physical additions meditating and building his lightsaber yeah he was meditating and building his lightsaber by using the force like all the parts are floating and he's putting it together yeah and his and he's he said he did everything different every time they did a take except the only thing he did kept doing the same was he would have this look of struggle and anguish and like forceful aggression on his face. Yeah. When everyone else, the director stopped him at after a couple of takes and said, okay, I like what we're changing up here, but why do you keep doing this the same? And he said, look, this guy's a Sith. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to have peace and meditate. Yeah. Vader would not, he doesn't understand that. And nor would Darth Vader teach him how to do it. Yeah. Right. That's and, and like, the, he said he saw some people talking in the background and <laughs> that's when he got the part. Yeah. And because of that kind of understanding of the world and the characters he plays, he's been on a lot of Star Wars stuff since. Yeah. And so, it, I'll let you clear your throat there. There's, yeah, I'm gonna there's step away for a sec. You talk. <laughs> there's been, uh, he went on to say, and maybe this was a different interview, but he said that, um, you know, there's been several times, like, the reason why he's been kept around is because he, uh, you know, there was one time that he called out Dave Filoni. You know, they were shooting, it was like a scene of Clone Wars, or it was a scene of something where um, Anakin is having a conversation with, like, a Force ghost, or it's like a dream sequence, or something. somehow... Anakin's talking to his late mother and he's telling her about Padme and, and, um, and he says, you know, you would have loved her like, you know, and, and Shmi Skywalker says something like, you know, I would have loved to have met her, you know, something like that. And Sam Witwer says, we have to, we have to reshoot this. Like you have to, you can't. And they're like, well, why? And he's like, because they did meet in a Phantom Menace. They had a meal together. (laughs) <laughs> they yeah. they did meet and Dave Filoni was like huh <laughs> like he out someone out geeked Dave Filoni in Star Wars yeah um yeah back to Admiral Thrawn I was losing my mind seeing him and Ahsoka says yeah I've heard whispers of like Thrawn returning like she says Thrawn we get the name Thrawn and everyone's losing their minds 
But that's nothing compared to the mind lossage of the diehard sweaty Star Wars fans, myself included, when she said of Thrawn's return, and then it pauses, you see a couple of shots, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she says, as heir to the Empire. And I, like... What it, what an excellent thing to say. So for those who don't know, Heir to the Empire is a book. The first in a trilogy. The first in a trilogy that is no longer, like there is a canonical Thrawn book series that exists since this, <clears throat> this book series, the Heir to the Empire series, is not considered canon anymore. It's part it's of Legends. Legends. Yeah. But it was it's the book series that that introduced the character that that brought the character into the the you know put the name Thrawn on the lips of so many yeah. Star Wars fans. Have you and read so, it? Sorry, have you read it? I have. I have. Yeah, I've, I actually have not. So this is oh, it's you, so you've it's got good. A up on it's, me here. It's, it's good. It's not you know obviously <clears throat> oh, it doesn't. It's yeah. It's one of those things that I I kind of regret having never read and not not read yet because in terms of like star wars reading it's like top of the recommended list this is if you're going to read a star wars book these should be the books i've read a lot of star wars books and i kind of wish i have have read these this trilogy it's uh it's good and it 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 was just one of those like obviously again the events of that book are not canonical some of it may now become somewhat canonical if this is like they're making a reference to it. But even yeah. if it doesn't, even if this was just one throwaway line in the trailer, it was a great line. And it was just this like, <clears throat> oh my God, she did not just say heir to the empire. <laughs> it well, was just <clears throat> amazing. You can correct me if I'm wrong here or where I'm wrong here, but uh, th- that trilogy is pretty much about... Thrawn kind of joining the empire to help ready the empire for an imminent evasion of a species that destroyed his planet and his culture and galaxy. Cause yeah. he's, he's from like, if you look at the top down of the galaxy of star Wars, it's essentially the Milky way mm-hmm. <clears throat> and everything kind of on the outside of the Milky way is like the outer rim and Thrawn and his species, uh, the Chiss are actually from a place outside of the Milky Way. And mm-hmm. that has been dominated by this evil alien race. And he's come to the, joined the empire to kind of prepare them for a potential th- invasion. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. So I think, that the, I, don't, I, I think you're right. I don't think they're going to completely do that storyline. But they're definitely, I think, going to draw some inspiration from it. Yeah, it was so genius, especially from some of the shots that are uh, that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I will say too, add in <clears throat> for my viewing of this trailer, and it's something that I think really excited me. Like I've grown to enjoy the Ahsoka character, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but one of the criticisms that a lot of people have had about Star Wars shows is that, you know, the coolest thing about Star Wars, the most fun, geeky, tingly thing about Star Wars, the thing that Star Wars holds over all other similar franchises, is 
Jedi's and the Force and the lightsabers and like that right. that it, it makes it stand apart from <sighs> everything else. And you know, in these shows that we've gotten, it's been clear and 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 fans have been saying this for a long time, like you know, not everything that we get from Star Wars has to be Jedi. It doesn't have to all be Jedi in the Force and you know whatever else. <clears throat> but it'd kind of be nice if some of it was <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we kind of, even in Obi-Wan, was like great. The, um, no lightsabers. Yeah. Like even in Obi-Wan, the amount of like, cool. <laughs> Jedi-ness that we got was, was limited. Like it was there, but it wasn't for a series, you know, for, for a series about one of the galaxy's most well-known, most popular Jedi. It wasn't super Jedi-y. This trailer, it, and it seems like this series is well aware of the fact that we've been a little lacking when it comes to the Force, and it comes to Jedi, and it comes to wicked awesome lightsaber fights, because it did not hold back. It pulled all the stops, and it was like, this is going to be a lightsaber-wielding, Force-battling, crazy mayhem show. And I'm jacked on this. I'm so pumped. I, it, this trailer was incredible. Carl, you saw the trailer. We've talked already a little bit about Thrawn and about the, the some of the legacy characters from Rebels showing up. Um, but but overall, what are your thoughts on the Ahsoka trailer? And did this trailer succeed as a trailer? Has it bumped up your excitement level for the Ahsoka show? Oh, yeah, <clears throat> for sure. I think it it's it's great. Um, I, I, I saw it before you linked it to me. I was like, yeah, I've already seen this. <laughs> and I, I had made some kind of rough notes of things I thought were interesting. And I, then I had kind of gone and watched some, uh, breakdown videos, which all, all pretty much said what most of the things that I had written down. <laughs> like, and one, like one of the really cool things here <clears throat> that I think this trip, this show might dig into in live action, which would be cool is something that, uh, the rebels show, uh, did in its last season, last two seasons, last season, which is the world between worlds. Yes. So, so <clears throat> they don't, they don't directly really show anything about the world between worlds in the trailer. But if you look at the kind of the Ahsoka, um, uh, uh, kind of image that they're using, um, where, where it's just like the name and then some, sim some kind of symbol behind it. That's like the world between worlds kind of circular drawings. Right. And then there's, there's also a fight, a quick, a quick shot of her fighting somebody. And again, like, she and they're surrounded by this, the same kind of circular circles within circles, kind of connecting, uh, symbology. And it's kind of, they're all kind of glowing. So it's, um, yeah, which that, that's a really, that was a pretty interesting thing that rebels added to, to Canon of star Wars is this kind of force, sp uh, um, what would you call it? uh, dimension. 
Yeah, I think a, so. It's like a it's like an extra dimensional space. It's like a it's a it's a world kind of in between the world <laughs> of the universe. It's, it's kind of like <clears throat> what um what the uh what do they call the Ant-Man universe? Uh the quantum realm. It's kind of like what the quantum realm is to Marvel almost. Uh, it's where a, where a space and it's a place between space and time, and you could as as they explored it in the the TV show Rebels, they can they can actually like see in these little doorways moments in time, and they actually the main character Ezra actually interacts with one and saves Ahsoka from what was her death at Darth Vader's hands. So that she's no longer dead, <laughs> she like interrupts the flow of time to save Ahsoka. Really, kind of, essentially introduces time travel to Star Wars, <laughs> which uh, which which has all all kinds of weird, fun, and awkward implications. But uh, yeah, that would be really cool to dive into potentially. So, but I, I'm excited about this. the The trailer definitely got me hyped. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Staying in the vein of Star Wars for I, I, the rest of our topics, uh, it was Star Wars Celebration this weekend, this past weekend. Um, and so obviously a lot of Star Wars news has dropped. And one of our criticisms of Star Wars is, hey, you know, you gave us Andor. Andor is fantastic. You gave us The Mandalorian. It's been pretty good. Uh, maybe some issues with this most recent season. I seem to not be the only one, but yep. overall... <laughs> Mandalorian's pretty great. Uh, you gave his book of Boba Fett. We forgive you. <laughs> it had some good moments, but it also was not on par with your other stuff. You gave us the Obi-Wan series. Pretty great. It was pretty great. Uh, again, it was kind of a letdown in a lot of ways. The fact that several people have released fan edits of your show into a movie on YouTube, and they are all better than your series. <laughs> yeah, is like kind some of, of the the, the uh, I've seen some of the um, the alien species. Uh, what's his name? Like this, the the Inquisitor, the head Inquisitor guy. Oh yeah, there's one coming out. The, there's, there's a trailer released a, for one that's yeah. coming out where they've like they shot deep, additional deep scenes, and and fixed like, his fixed his fixed them to make them look more like the yeah. Clone Wars version. Looks way. So better. we've gotten all these series. And Rebels version, sorry. <laughs> in this amount of time, there's been several films that have been announced. Ryan Johnson was going to do a trilogy, which for pretty much from the time they said, yes, we're going to do that, I said, no, you're not. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way you are going to release three films by not a bad director. Ryan Johnson, we're talking about the guy that did... The Knives Out and the Glass Onion series, he's an Academy Award nominated, possibly winning actor. But there's no way you're going to do three films with Star Wars' arguably most divisive director. Yeah. There's just no way. Then there was the Patty Jenkins, the Rogue Squadron film, which has now seemingly indefinitely been shelved, which I... that kind of seemed like a shame because I was really looking forward to that one. We even got that great video announcement thing of Patty Jenkins on the tarmac with a life-sized X-Wing sitting there, and it was like, okay, let's let's go, let's get it, woo! 
And that uh, that kind of got shelved. And there's been this smattering of other films that are supposedly coming, and then we hear nothing, and then we kind of hear uh, we're no longer doing that. <sighs> well, that has left the Star Wars fan community saying, what about films in this film franchise, in this cinematic franchise? called Star Wars, that you're making a lot of great TV shows and content, you know, whatever, but let's not lose sight of the fact that this is a cinematic franchise. So what about <clears throat> cinematic projects? Where are the movies? Well, this past weekend, Patty Jenkins, Patty Jenkins said, I see your frustrations, and I raise you three films. The first. Uh, I, you're, uh, you mean Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, what I say? Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. Well, you know, okay, yeah. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy said, I see your frustration and I raise you three films. The And so we're going to talk about the first one first. Not the first one coming, but the first one that I have, you know, written down here because it's kind <clears throat> of tied into other topics. The first one on our list that you other topics. <laughs> Dave Filoni is directing a film that is going to is is the culmination and is going to close off the storylines of the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Book of Boba Fett, kind of this like shared television universe that um that has been created on Disney Plus. I have a couple of thoughts. Number one, this could be very interesting. It could be fun. You know, you've built this world, it kind of makes sense that maybe this would all be lead, leading up to like one big film that, that closes it all off. It raises the question, are we only going to get one season of Ahsoka? Like is, is, is Ahsoka not going to be a multi-season show if, if, you, <clears throat> if in the docket is a film that's going to conclude all these storylines? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But. Yeah. That, I, I mean, have it, two it, concerns. it depends on where she is and what she's doing during the yeah. sequel trilogy. I have two concerns. Concern number one is it seems like among viewership, some of the magic of the Mandalorian has been lost. That your viewership and, and the general audience interest <clears throat> in things like the Mandalorian in this universe may be starting to dwindle. Could that hurt a film? I think it could. However, I also think you could give us a film right now about, you know, Luke's left boot that was remaining in the moisture farm when the Empire torched it. And we would just be so excited that we're actually getting a Star Wars film <laughs> that we would still all go out and see it. My other concern is Dave Filoni. I think Dave Filoni is a creative genius. He brought us Clone Wars. He brought us Rebels. He brought us Resistance. He, eh, he brought us Bad Batch. He has been a, a creative force within the Mandalorian universe, within Ahsoka, within all these, these people, within all these shows. But... Dave Filoni has very limited experience in directing live action. 
very limited experience. He's directed some episodes of The Mandalorian. I think maybe he's directed some episodes of of Book of Boba Fett. I'm, don't quote me on that. But I was watching a behind-the-scenes thing with The Mandalorian, like the making of The Mandalorian, and even Dave Filoni says in that, thank God I have Jon Favreau and all these other people here because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I am I am out of my league here. Yeah. This is not something I've done. And no episode of The Mandalorian is truly terrible. But if I go and I sit and I look through a list of the Mandalorian episodes that Dave Filoni directed, they're not the better episodes of Mandalorian. They're not the great episodes of Mandalorian. And so that is my big concern. My big concern is, you know what? I get it. It's Dave Filoni. He's a, a creative force to be reckoned within within Lucasfilm. But... <sighs> Is he feature film, live action Star Wars directing material? I don't know. I'm not going to say he's not. I'm not going to say he is. I'm going to say I don't know. I would say the fact that he's willing to admit it's not his strong suit, like knowing your weaknesses is is crucial in, in terms of like, in this case, like knowing that, okay, I'm not the greatest live action director. I need to lean on my talent. I need to lean on my, uh, my, my friends and colleagues that are, you know, like John come, come, come over here and give me a hand with this directing thing. Cause it's not my suit, you know? So I think, yeah, I, I'm kind of cutting you off there a little bit, but I think I agree with you, but I think that, it's not him knowing that he's not is is a uh, is is a uh, kind of leans me in the direction of like benefit of the doubt. And I agree. I think <clears throat> I think if you don't know what you're doing, and you if he had come into directing his episodes of um, of Mandalorian, and he was like, "Oh yeah, it's, it's dope as hell. Like I got this. Like you know, <laughs> then yeah, then that's not." You anyone who thinks they know everything can't be taught, and that's mm-hmm. a big issue. Um, so I think it definitely leads some some it leads some hope to it. But I also think like my response then would be okay. So why don't you continue to do some live action TV projects? And maybe further down the line, we talk about doing a film or maybe you do like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I just don't know. I wonder if it's still, he's still pretty green to be handed a feature film, but I I don't know. Like he works pretty close with John Favreau these days on, on these projects. Right. And I feel like, there are like if they're if there's from what they've said of this film it's going to wrap up kind of the main story beats of these three film these three shows yeah so they're working towards like an epic climax by the sounds of it and that's what this will be i'm sure da- so- i'm sure um john favreau will have have 
a lot to do with yeah. it for sure. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be all right. And like, we'll probably get into this a bit when we do our next Mando episode. Um, well, I think we're on five anyway. Uh, like six, the, the rumors, like you've been hating on the most recent season mm-hmm. and there's obvious flaws with book of Fett, but there's a lot of rumors that have been coming out of Lucasfilm about how, you know, some higher ups mucked about with book of Fett to bring in the Mandalorian and Grogu to help boost sales and, and how the canceling for, for the most recent Mando season, the canceling of, um, what was it called? Rangers of the Republic had important story points uh, that they wanted to tell, like uh, uh, the directors here that we're talking about, Favreau and Filoni. They had important story points that they wanted to tell. And so they're trying to fold in a whole separate season storyline that would have been Rangers of the Republic into Mandalorian. So like that whole Coruscant episode, uh, there's rumors that that was supposed to be part of Rangers of the Republic. Yeah, quite possibly. That would right. make sense. Uh, the, the most recent episode that we're going to review, five, was supposed to be more of a Rangers of the Republic episode. Mm-hmm. So like, like, yeah. So like some somebody mucking around, like the, the, the chaos that's been happening in Lucasfilm camp over the last couple of years with different things has caused some issues in them trying to tell, trying to tell the story that they wanted to tell has been kind of upended. And now they have to alter the story to, to still get to the, to this end point that they're looking to get to. Mm -hmm. But so I think, I think like they're working hard at getting, still getting that point. I feel like, uh, between this Mandalorian season three and book of Fett, I feel like maybe hopefully most of that turbulence will be behind us post this and we'll see a really good Ahsoka series. We'll see a really good Mandalorian season three and then a really awesome movie to kind of, uh, bring all the major story beats to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay. Moving Uh, on. Another film. More Jedi. (laughs) <laughs> probably more midichlorians <laughs> midichlorians the movie no Ooh. listen uh this the oh, idea the, of this will this be like osmosis jones too but with midichlorians <laughs> that would be cool i would pay probably. to see that uh look this the, the idea of this <laughs> film's getting a little bit of hate but i'm so on board for it james mangold director who if you're unfamiliar with has directed some incredible things like walk the line 310 to yuma and logan James Mangold is is the shit when it comes to to directing films. Um, he's got some good, pretty good movies under his belt. Is doing a film called Dawn of the Jedi, a film that he's been working on for several months now under the codename Star Wars Zero. I think, I think that's what he said. Um, but Dawn of the Jedi is set twenty five thousand years in the past, twenty five thousand years before before the phantom menace and it is a film about the first jedi and about the discovery about the beginning of the force about how 
we learned that it was a thing and we were able to manipulate it and use it to to our benefit and channel it and, and whatever else. We really don't have any other details other than that that's the premise and that James Mangold is directing it. I mean, I'm all for this. Again, I think as as tempting as it would be to do such a film and forego the idea of midi-chlorians because it was such a divisive plot piece in the prequels. I don't know, without completely brutalizing canon, I don't know how you could do this film and not heavily feature or at least, you know, acknowledge the existence of midi-chlorians. It's kind of, if that is in fact what makes the force tick, then, then... It, that's kind of got to be a part of it. Um, I don't think that'll, I don't think that bothers me. You know, it is what it is now. It's been 23, 24 years since we were introduced to midichlorians. I think it's time to bury the hatchet and just accept that that is what it is. And, um, you know, it's possible that having them presented in a new light in, in a film like this could, make us happier about it. It could warm us up to the idea of, of, of midichlorians and, and of all of this stuff. I mean, there's people who are upset because they're saying like, I don't need to know how the force works. I don't need to see the beginning. I don't need to leave it in an enigma, leave it all a, a mystery. And I'm like, well, you could go that way or you could go the way that they seem to be going and both could turn out to be great. We're just going to kind of have to wait and see. I've got all the confidence in the world in James Mangold. You hear this, that we're getting Dawn of the Jedi, 25,000 years in the past. What are your thoughts? I like the Old Republic. Give me more. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I'm all for it. Tell me tell me how this stuff started. Like, you, You've trashed my old canon that I loved. Give me some new legends that I can eat up and hopefully will satisfy that uh, that uh, history of the Jedi and Sith. Yeah. Right? Whether it's, whether it's like taking that old canon that's now legends and making it canon again, whether you're just kind of reusing what's already there, that's fine. I'm good with that. If you're going to yeah. make something new, I mean, I'm a little more hesitant, but- I'm still, I'm still, uh, there to give you the benefit of the doubt, I guess I'm a little, yeah. So yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I'm optimistic yeah. uh, and hopeful because this is an era of star Wars that is not seen, uh, anything in terms of live action, whether it's TV or, uh, cinematic and it totally deserves it. Cause there are some epic legends stories and can uh, stuff out there that can be used as source material for stories. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's inter It's very interesting. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see specifically what, what they're going to do with the story, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Final topic. More, more, more lightsabers. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I guess yes. we're talking about Star Wars Celebration, so it's pretty much all Star Wars lightsabers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next film that we're getting <clears throat> from Star Wars is one that I think has surprised a lot of people. Yeah. I, I think the general consensus was that after the divisive response from the sequel series, I'm not going to say the negative response. I'm going to say divisive, that that there were those who loved it and those who love it really love it, and there are those that hate it and those that hate it seem to really hate it. Um, <laughs> so it's divisive. I I think the general consensus was that Lucasfilm was just going to kind of move on from that, move on from those characters, move on from that story. If they were going to tell another sequel story, that it would be way further in the future. Um, right. But we are this getting is a further film. in the future. <laughs> yeah, we're getting a film set 15 years after the rise of Skywalker. Just not far enough. <laughs> <laughs> and Daisy Ridley is going to be returning as Rey. They brought her out on stage at Star Wars Celebration to an eruptive applause. It's worth noting. People were very excited to see her. And it's going to be about Rey Skywalker, who now 15 years later is a powerful Jedi Master. I have no issues with that. It's been 15 years. I, I would hope that She's reached the point of powerful Jedi Master, um, who is now training up and and organizing and creating the the new Jedi Order, the next era of Jedi. I'm for this. I I don't dislike the sequel series as much as you do. I have issues with it, sure. I don't dislike it. I don't fall in the camp of really hating it. Um, I think that Daisy Ridley was good in those films. I think she's a great actress. I think she was done dirty, as a lot of people in the sequel series were. I think that she was done dirty by the lack of a plan and and what they chose to do with certain characters. Um, and I don't think that's Daisy Ridley's fault. So I'm excited that she's going to get another stab at this. Um, what I wonder, though... And this is the biggest question for me. This is like the, you know, yeah, there's like, oh, who's going to be the bad guy? And, and, you know, what's the deal with the Sith at this point? And all this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, those are all certainly question marks. But the big question mark for me, the question I can't shake is, <clears throat> if we've established that Rey is a Skywalker, that's what she's, it's, that is, it's now canon. She's not biologically no, she's a, a Skywalker. A but she's a she's an honorary Skywalker. She's a Palpatine. But okay, but her character's <laughs> name now is Ray Skywalker. Palpatine. Then <laughs> is this then technically a continuation of like is this the tenth installment in the Skywalker saga? <clears throat> right? The saga the Skywalker saga that that we were told that at the time they believed to be concluding with episode nine, that that was it. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it'll be interesting. I guess basically what I'm asking is, you know, it, the Mandalorian film that we're getting Mandalorian universe film that we're getting, I don't know what it'll be called, but it'll be, you know, a star Wars story 
blah, 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 blah. Kind of like Solo and Rogue One was. Um, Dawn of the Jedi, we know is going to be called, you know, Star War, Dawn of the Jedi, a Star Wars story, or whatever their naming protocol for those things are. Is this Daisy Ridley film going to be called Star Wars Episode Ten? Is it going to begin with the crawl and the fanfare and the, you know, right. <clears throat> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then the music happens and the crawl happens because this is episode 10. I don't know. I kind of, and this may be an unpopular opinion, I kind of want it to be because, you know, Star Wars for the longest time was always this episodic thing, whether we were talking the prequels, the sequels, or the original trilogy, it was the next episode of Star Wars. And then when they were like, ah, Star Wars 9 is, that's it. That's the last episodic. That's, it's the closing off of the saga, you know, blah, blah, blah. It kind of left like, okay, yes, there's lots of other places that we can go and things we can do within Star Wars, but it kind of felt like a directionless ship. A ship without a compass. Like, it was kind of like, okay, but what is the, like, is is this just going to become a big collection of smaller standalone spinoff properties now? And that is the legacy of Star Wars moving forward? Because there's just something about, like, okay, this is, this is the main, it's kind of like in Marvel when you're like, okay, this is the next Avenger film. That's what, that's what the episodic, Star Wars films are now kind of feel like. And so I hope that this is episode 10. I hope that we get the fanfare. I hope that, you know, maybe this is the start of a new trilogy. Maybe this is, I don't know. But I hope that it's episode 10 because if you're going to continue, the, you know, if if within your universe you're going to say that Rey is now Rey Skywalker and you're going to do a film that centers around her, then this is, in my mind, a continuation of the Skywalker saga. And barring bringing Palpatine back again, because you, you, you <laughs> somehow can't. Palpatine has returned, I'm still alive. <laughs> you know, like then, then you need to, you, you know, you need to do right by this, and you need to, if it is part of the Skywalker saga, don't half-ass make it part of the Skywalker saga. Make it. Do what you've done with Star Wars before. Continue to give us these other Elseworlds world stories, not Elseworld, but these these standalone like Dawn of the Jedi and whatever else that are not closely woven into this family, closely woven into the events of the original trilogy. But I think it's also okay to have a series of films going that still is. That really harks on the fact that like what a messy set of lineages <laughs> like what a really ugly what a really ugly family tree in a lot of ways um so i don't know those are my thoughts on it i'm excited to see her back i'm glad she's getting another shot at it i hope it's star wars episode 10 that we're gonna get all the the fanfare and the you know whatever else you hear this announcement what are your thoughts i'm i'm not excited <laughs> i'm not i'm not interested in this I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> don't give me. I, I. You could easily, yeah, lump me in. You could easily lump me in with like uh, one of the quote unquote haters or someone who disliked the Disney trilogy, and you wouldn't be far off the truth. I think they did a lot of things wrong. 
I think I think the acting in them was great. Like Daisy Ridley did a good job act, great job acting. John Boyega's acting was great. Like everybody's the acting was good. I my biggest issue with those films was the script and some of the choreography and the understanding of how the force works and so, which is more script writing and stuff again. I don't know. I like at the beginning of this talk, you were, I was interrupting you with, you know, like Ray Palpatine and, you know, like I thought the character was done a real disservice by having her take the Skywalker name instead of owning what her heritage was and, and, and making her own way in spite of it. I thought that would have been way more of an interesting story or, or end beats, but man, I don't, I don't know. I just don't like Ray as a character at all. I think she was written very poorly. I'm not interested in another movie with her. You say she's got 15 years. She's probably a master. Well, she apparently she was a master as soon as she knew how to use the force. So how much better can she possibly have gotten? I don't, <laughs> I'm not interested. I, I, I'm done with the Ray Scott Skywalker Palpatine story. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I look forward to reading. It would have been more interesting to me if Finn, if, if John, Bo, if they had John Boyega walk out on stage and saying they were going to do a Finn storyline or a story or movie, that would have been more interesting to me. Or Poe Dameron. Or Poe. I, th I thought, you know, I said Finn because I think out of all the characters that we saw, Finn should have been the protagonist of this, of, of that trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like I think Finn should have been the one who was force sensitive and took the saber to Luke. And I thought that would have been way more interesting. Make Daisy Ridley, the Han Solo of the, the, of the new cast. You know what I mean? Right. Like really good with mechanics and flying ships and stuff. Like make, make her the, the non-force make, make, make a former stormtrooper a Jedi that, that, that seems way more interesting in terms of a story. And it mm -hmm. seemed like they were going that way until the very end of the film of the first yeah. film. So yeah. Hard anyway. to say. <clears throat> cool. Well, I do. I look forward to reviewing that film with you because it, yeah. it shall be interesting. Well, hopefully they, they do it right because they've got a, they got a lot of crap to try undo before they, in order to do it. <laughs> well, that's the news. That's it. We're finally done finally done thank you so much for listening check out our facebook instagram and twitter all listed down below our patreon page it's a great way to support the show as well as getting some fun perks for yourself as little as a dollar a month and some merch we have merch merch i feel like the way we in, uh, started this film we need to add to some merch a new merch item yeah saying one, what one with a picture of bert and Ernie and Cookie Monster saying that they're the movie men. Can we do that? Is that is that a thing we can do? I don't uh, maybe. It's <laughs> like some weird yeah. legal red tape, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and um 
until the next time we speak, I may the force be with you. I don't. I may the the blue beetle scarab forever cling itself to your. I Avada Kedavra. Avada Kedavra. Uh, that's I like that boulder. That's a nice boulder. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha